Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, welcome back to The Lake Show. News Talk, 830-WCCO. It's a new year, but some things never change. And the fact that John Krasinski, one of the best in the business of covering sports, happens to join us tonight here on The Lake Show again. We truly do appreciate it. And he joins us now on the John Schuster Cole Banker Hotline to talk both Wolves and Minnesota Vikings football. First off, Johnny K, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Lake. You know, uh, you know what? You know what else doesn't change? It may be 2024, but it is still DRE. So DRE, baby, it's still yeah. Dre. <laughs> you still do it, man. It's still Keep Dre, going. man. By the way, off air, I got to put you up with some some new artists that I came across Please. on social media. Oh boy, because a lot Please of the do. new artists, like the new school cats, they they catch a lot of flack from individuals like me and, and others <laughs> for not being super creative and everybody sounding the same. No, there's a couple of people I got to put you up on, but we'll do that off air. Let's talk on air, both Vikings and Wolves. And I actually want to start with the Vikings because going back to last week, from the moment that it was announced that Jaron Hall was going to be the starting quarterback, I opposed that and I still oppose that decision that was made. And the reason why is because I felt like the magnitude, the importance of that game, that's not the environment where you start a Jaron Hall. I get it. Fan base wants to see the unknown. They want to see the guy that we all have questions about and, and, and want to see what he's going to look like get in there. But in not that specific type of situation, I just didn't – as much as Nick Mullins has struggled, as much as Joshua Dobbs has struggled, I would have went with either one of those guys for that sp- uh, specific game. And to me, it's almost like a couple of years ago when Coach Zimmer, he was not – wanting to put Kellen Mond out there. And remember, right. he had the, the you know the situation where it, people were like, well, you know, don't you want to see him? He's like, I see him every day in <laughs> practice, right? So, so what did you yeah. make of the Jaron Hall decision? Yeah, you know, I, the one thing that I was trying to give the benefit of the doubt to Kevin O'Connell on was, hey, if you start the rookie and he flames out, you can go to Mullins, and he's used to coming in in the middle of games and doing okay, where I think as if you had – you started Mullins and benched him and you wanted to go to Jaron Hall, that would have been a very bad situation to put a rookie quarterback in. 
But I will say this, like, I did not, I didn't expect, even even the worst case scenario, I didn't expect it to look as bad as it did. I mean, Jaron Hall looked completely overwhelmed. Uh, the moment looked very too big for him. And I thought, you know, it was a very, very small sample size, but I thought that with what we saw in Atlanta before he got hurt, I thought there would at least be some sort of confidence. I didn't expect him to win the game. I picked the Vikings to lose the game, mm-hmm. but I did not expect him to look completely inept like he did. So when, you know, when you play the results, which, uh, you know, uh, that's what we have to do in this league. I mean, you are, your position was completely validated because uh, that kid did not look ready for that moment. And that I think is an indictment on the coaching staff, because how could you not see that in the practices leading up to it? Or how could you not give him a different kind of a game plan where he could be more successful? Because that thing blew up in their face right away. And it was, the game was over before they had any chance to even get back into it. All right, so let me ask you this, and this is not about this season, okay, but this is about next season. Um, to me, at least in my opinion, uh, Jaron Hall, as much as I want to see him continue to develop as a back or quarterback, uh, he's not ready for prime time. Uh, Joshua Dobbs, he's not the answer. I don't think that Joshua Dobbs is a every week starting quarterback in the National Football League, and I don't think that Nick Mullins is either. I think that both those guys are career backups in the National Football League. With all that being said, Kirk Cousins, we know what he is. Okay, we know how good he is, and we know that he is going to be, or he's he's going to be a free agent, right? And I think that most fans look at him and think like his stock is maybe rising a little bit because of how poorly the other quarterbacks have played. And you know what? People that think that, they're probably accurate with that. It's probably Mm -hmm. true. But what I have to say about it, though, is is as much as I look at Kirk Cousins and appreciate him and I wouldn't mind him coming back, I'm not raising the stock based off of other guys being bad. What, what, What do you think about the stock as it stands right now with Kirk Cousins? And do you think that he is going to make more money, not just based off of what he's done, but what others have not done? I would say the, I don't think that he's going to make more money based off of what others have done, not done because I just think that this Achilles injury is going to depress his value a little bit. He's going to be 36 in August. He's coming off of uh, the worst injury that you can have as a football player. And so um, I, I think that that is going to make bringing him back uh, a more reasonable venture because let's say that Kirk Cousins played this whole year and he looked really good before he went down, even though the Vikings weren't in first place, weren't burning up everything. Kirk Cousins looked really good before he was injured. And so if he would have played 16, 17 games and maybe they make the playoffs or whatever, and, and he sustains that level of play, now you're looking at an exorbitant amount of money for Kirk Cousins. But I think the nature of his age with the injury uh, will kind of work in the Vikings' favor that way because I am of the mind that you sh- you sh- they should bring back Kirk Cousins because unless you want to do a complete teardown and rebuild, I just don't see any other alternative. Like you said, Lake, it's not the Mullins isn't the answer, Dobbs isn't the answer, Hall isn't the answer. Even if you draft a quarterback in the top ten or eleven um, in in the April draft, I don't think that you can ask him to be ready right away to take over an offense with Justin Jefferson and 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 lead a team to a competitive season. So 
Um, I would bring Cousins back because I do think the number is not going to be ridiculous. And I would still draft a quarterback. So in a year or two, then you can turn the reins over to him, ideally, if he develops into what you want. Yeah, we're talking to John Krasinski from The Athletic here on The Lake Show on News Talk 830-WCCO. And one final Vikings, I guess, related question is, who would you start this week weekend at quarterback between <laughs> Hall, Dobbs, and Mullins? I, to be honest with you, I don't think it really matters. No. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think it does. Yeah, I don't think it does either. Um you know, I, I, at this point, I think you should want to lose that game to help your draft position even a little bit. Um, so I, here's what I wouldn't – I would not start Hall because I think that would be doing a disservice to Hall. I, I mean, he's shown that he is not ready for that kind of responsibility right now. And so putting him back out there against the best team in the division uh, would not be a wise venture. So then it comes down to Mullins or Dobbs, and it's flip a coin. Either way, I think Mullins is – has proven to be a little bit better of a passer. Dobbs, I think, with being able to, to move the pocket and stuff, a little bit more of an element that way. So I guess here's what I would say now as I talk this out. Like, I'd probably go Dobbs just okay. one more time. Let's mm-hmm. see for sure once and for all what he is or what he isn't. Because Mullins, I think he is what he is. He's a backup quarterback who will throw a bunch of picks and might throw for some yards. Um, on his best throws and on his best days. Dobbs, you know, I, it just seems so weird that he fell completely off a cliff the way that he did after those first two good games. So let's give him one more chance, see what happens, and then go into the offseason and, and, and figure things out. Yeah. All right, so the uh, let's transition to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who they lost to New York yesterday, and, and we know the Knicks are an improving team uh, who just made a big-time trade. Uh, tomorrow, they're back at Target Center facing the New Orleans Pelicans. And then after that, they go on the road for four consecutive games. So they'll be on the road for about a week um, and then return home to face the uh, the Portland Trailblazers next Friday. Uh, what What's probably been the most surprising thing about this 24-8 start for the Minnesota Timberwolves, at least in your opinion? Because we know that defensively they've been outstanding. We've continued to see the improvement uh, with uh, with Anthony Edwards. Uh, Rudy Gobert looks like himself, and we've talked about that a couple of times already uh, this year. Well, well, overall, though, what's the thing that stands out to you? Yeah, here it is uh, for for you, Lake, in terms of surprising, because um, it, when I watch these games right now, especially in the last, like, two weeks, and Chris Fish said it today at practice, he said that he thought that they played average basketball for the last couple of weeks. They haven't been great, and I agree with him on that. I think mm-hmm. they've they've just been all right. But um, – when, I, when you watch the games just to the naked eye, you're saying, man, this offense, it's really not working. What is going on here? Why can't they get things going offensively to the, with, with Anthony Edwards, with Carl Anthony Towns, with Conley and Gobert? Why is it fluttering as much as it is? But if you look at their shooting numbers, their percentages, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, like they are top five as a shooting team in both of those numbers. And so what that tells me is that there is a real potential for this offense to be very, very good. The reason that their, their offense has been down in the efficiency rankings is they turn the ball over so many times. Yep. It's, it's every single game, it, you know, seven turnovers in the second quarter yesterday, and they're down 20, you know, they, they lose that quarter by 21 points. I mean, that's the backbreaker right there. And so 
to me, it, what it says is that all is not lost with this offense that actually underneath it all, if they can just clean up the mistakes, you have a top 10 offense just waiting to be had, but they have to do it. It's been a season long thing and they got to figure out why and, and how to stop all of those turnovers. You know, I got to say this, Johnny, because you know me, man. I, I bleed blue. Uh, I invest in the team, got tickets, all that stuff, whatever. I love my Wolves, man, and and, and, and you cover the team. And we both, you know, we call it like we see it, right? Like we got a job yeah. to do. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I, I, I love um, what this team has done to this point, but I don't like what I'm seeing from Kyle Anderson. I don't know what's yeah. going on, man, but the way that he's played, it's been beyond sloppy to this specific point. What, what, what do you think is going on with Kyle? How would you assess his play so far? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a real difficult thing because he, especially last year, but even in the, within the chemistry of this team this year, he's so important. He's a leader. He's vocal. He's super smart. Uh, the guys respect him, and Chris Finch just thinks the world of him and, and really trusts him. Uh, he is still a very, very good defensive player. He's been a big help to them on that end of the floor, especially when teams go smaller and, and, and they can't go with the double bigs up front. Kyle Anderson, big time there. But offensively, he's not been close to the same guy that he was last season. The biggest problem is last year he shot 41% from three-point range. This year he is shooting 12.5%. He's hit three three-pointers all season long. And I do think it's related to the eye injury he suffered in the playoffs. I don't think he has seen the rim, has the same depth perception, uh, that he did last year. And because he has been so bad at shooting that shot, it is allowing the defense to completely sag off of him and pack the paint to make it harder for Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards when, when, Kyle, when they're sharing the floor with Kyle. It also has made Kyle Anderson more hesitant as an offensive player. He's passing up open shots. He's dribbling into traffic. He's turning the ball over. So I think all of it really stems from the fact that he just cannot seem to find his outside shooting stroke. And he's never been Ray Allen out there, but (laughs) last year that was an important part of his game was hitting the timely open threes that made it harder for them to cover. So then they had to close out quickly. He could pump fake, go to the basket, finish around there, find Rudy. So all of that stuff is just not there for him right now. And he's suffering because of it. All right. Final thing. And then we'll let you go. You know, there's a lot of season left clearly. But, man, how can you not like what we've seen from Coach Chris Finch? So right yeah. now, as you know, uh, somebody that covers the league and, and you're an insider and one of the top people that cover the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, where do you think Chris Finch, in terms of what he's done versus other coaches in the league this year, where do you think he stacks up in terms of candidates for Coach of the Year? Oh, yeah, he's right near the top. Mm. Uh, when you talk about Chris Finch, maybe Mark Dagnall from Oklahoma City, uh, there might, you know, maybe you'll throw Nick Nurse in there at Philadelphia, but um, to see the turnaround that this team has had, because like no one believed that 30 games into the season, the Timberwolves would be number one in the West and have held that spot for six weeks, seven weeks now. Uh, no one saw that coming. And so the, t- the, the, the people that win coach of the year not, don't always necessarily coach the very best team in the league but it's what are you doing with the pieces that you were given? This team was disjointed last year. It was injured. It was kind of messy. It was struggling. Everything was hard. Now this year he has taken a group 
that not many people believed could work. And he's made it work at a very high level, especially defensively. So if this team is in the top, you know, two or three in the West all year long and goes into the playoffs with, with a, with a high seed and home court advantage in the first round or two, at least of the playoffs, I I think he, he absolutely wins the, wins the award because these are not easy pieces to get to fit together. They're doing it in a very unconventional way. And Chris Finch has done a great job of leading this team and, and, and finding out and figuring out ways to make it work. And so um, there may be other coaches who have done as good of a job as Finch this season, but no one's done a better job than Chris Finch. No, no way. Yeah. Hey, Johnny K, man, you're the best. I appreciate the time tonight. Hey, anytime, Lake. Happy New Year to you, to you and yours, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, take care. I appreciate that. That's a John Krasinski from The Athletic. Check out all of his fine work with The Athletic. Joining us here on The Lake Show. All right, coming up next, there's a new league coming to Minnesota, a new Minnesota sports team, the Professional Women's Hockey League. They kick off tomorrow night. We get to that next year on The Lake Show. All right, the PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League, has just started. Minnesota has a franchise. They will be playing tomorrow evening. And first off, welcome. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, We're all, well, I I don't want to speak for everybody. I'm a sports fan of a lot of different sports. I don't think there's a sport that I dislike. Um, But... Clearly, uh, I'm a big supporter of women's sports. Um, And I think that this is the perfect time for this to kind of happen. And I know that we've had um, women's hockey before, right? This is just, I mean, this is new. This this specific league is new. It's a new league. It's almost like there's variations, right? So so I get that because it was the the kneecaps before, right? Whitecaps. I mean, whitecaps, whitecaps. Yes. Kneecaps. You think of Dan Campbell? I'm thinking of Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. You just don't want Thunder. Damn it! Oh, Sorry. Um, yeah, the Whitecaps. So, so this team. First off, none of the teams in this league have mascots, from what I've seen. No, this is Minnesota. It's, it's, it's all the name and of they, the city. Yeah, and so, no, the state. Well, the city, the state. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so tomorrow they face Boston. Mm-hmm. Okay, Minnesota faces Boston, mm-hmm. and it's on the road. Okay, their first game at the X is this Saturday, January the sixth. I'm pretty sure that. Yeah, I, I'm certain of that, and the reason why I'm certain of it is because I'd love to go and attend uh, the first game here. I can't do that. Um, I have my fraternity's Founders Day, so I can't. I can't be there, but I definitely I, I do want to get there. And by the way, the uh, the head coach of this team. Uh, Former NHLer, defenseman Ken Klee is going to join us on the show on Thursday. So they play tomorrow night. I wanted to try to get them on tonight to kind of preview and talk about it. Uh, what's going to work for their schedule? They're you know headed to Boston, landing, got all kind of stuff going on. But we'll chat with him on Thursday evening. But this is, I mean, another team for us to get behind, right? I think that the way that Minnesotans and folks in the Twin Cities specifically supported Minnesota Aurora, mm-hmm. I think, is amazing. I don't know if you've been to a game yet, but I've been. I have, yes. Oh, my God. Such a great time. So it'll be interesting to see how this takes off. Yeah, and, you know, here we call ourselves the state of hockey, right? And you look at what girls hockey has done 
and the program that Brad Frost has built with the University of Minnesota women and all of the other, you know, D1, D2 programs in the state. And I mean, the, the MIAC, I mean, you, you've got such a, it's such a hotbed for women's sports and to be involved in this. Now I, I, you know, full disclosure, you know, following the Whitecaps last year, I had no idea that the uh, uh, National Women's Hockey League, I mean, when they're, when they're introducing a new franchise, I was trying to figure out how is this going to compete with the, the Whitecaps. Yep. But then these, these independent leagues, it, it makes me sad when I see that because I know that there's so much work that goes into this being an independent. Like, you don't have any of those big benefactors. But hopefully playing at the XL Energy Center and starting out with six, and I think the NWHL also had six. But you've got, uh, you know, at Montreal and you've got New York and you've got Boston. Uh, I think, uh, what else do you have? I'm just uh, trying to, to think here. Yeah, Montreal, Ottawa. Yep, Ottawa. Think, Ottawa, yep. okay. Those are, those are the ones that Boston, I can think Toronto. of. Toronto. Toronto, okay. But you've got hockey, you know, they have men's professional hockey teams. And so I'm hoping that this works out because there's always a place for women's sports. I believe that you can carve out more of a niche for women's sports. So I really hope that this works out. Absolutely. I'm with you. Like, I hope, hopefully we all get behind it. Yes. Because we all want to support uh, phenomenal female athletes out there. Mm-hmm. And also, like, support our own. You know, support something that, that we can all be happy about and all be proud about. And uh, hopefully they'll be they'll be successful from day one. Yeah. That's I, the hope. I, yeah, absolutely. You know, and having a, you know, having a 13-year-old daughter, you know, she's not into sports. But I feel like the more examples there are for her of, like, women to be out there and achieving their dreams and following – you know, it's important. It, it is important for her to know that, hey, it doesn't matter what you want to do in life, that there will be an opportunity for you. And you're not going to be you're not going to be limited by your gender. So I'm excited for this. And, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that it works out. And again, playing at the X to me, when you've got an arena like that, that's willing to host you. That's awesome. that's a pretty good start. That's a pretty good start. And games will be televised. On Bally Sports North. Awesome, Bally's. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, now the one thing about that, though, is for the people that have cut the cord a long time ago, yeah. they don't have Bally's. But they can also, full transparency, they can stream games on the league's YouTube channel. So that'll be, that'll be fun. Beautiful. That will be fun. All right, coming up next, uh, we will take a look at the local weather. And sometimes you apologize. When something isn't really your fault, I'll explain that next year on the Lake Show. And I'm not hating. I'm not hating on the snow. I'm not. That you're going to say the best part about it is when it melts. I got no issue with, you know, with snowfall. Yeah. I don't even have issues when it's relatively cold. That's just a part of living here. Like, we totally get all of that. Well, and and I mean, really, by the time we get it, it's going to be, what, mid you know, mid-January, so we'll have like two months. Yeah, let, let people have oh, their j- snow. Don't, don't jinx us. Don't what? jinx us. We'll have snow on the ground when the Twins are out there playing at Target Field. Oh, probably. Yeah. I mean, it, you know it's a tradition, like, you know, I unlike any other. I hope that's not the case. All right, sometimes in life, we apologize 
even when we technically weren't the one ones in the wrong. Yeah, sorry about that. And you know, ESPN has issued an apology for showing a woman flashing her breast during Monday's broadcast of the college football playoff semifinal between Washington and Texas in the Sugar Bowl. So I saw it on social media. It was on Twitter slash X. Where what did you call it? it Twitter slash okay. X. Okay. And so it's it, it was one of those shots where they're going down the street, and then you've got this woman that's flashing the camera, and everybody sees it. Like, if you go on Twitter right now, you'll see the video. If you can go Google it, the, the video is going to come up, right? Now, the the outlet in ESPN's Bill Hoffheimer uh, says, quote, we regret that this happened and apologize that the video aired in the telecast. Look, props to ESPN for apologizing. They didn't owe any of us an apology. At least in my opinion. I don't think that they owed us anything. Is it good for them to apologize? Yes. Do I think that they did anything wrong? No. Because they weren't trying to show that. If you see the video, this woman took advantage of the situation. It'd be like they're showing an aerial shot of a bunch of Vikings fans at U.S. Bank Stadium, and then some woman just reaches up and yanks, and then, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it might get on television. She took full advantage of what happened. So did ESPN owe us an apology? I don't think so, but was it probably the right thing to do? Yeah. I, sure. I think, you know, one thing ESPN, you you want to get out ahead of this as much as you can. And, again, it's not – people are going to do stupid things when they see the camera. It's just no different than somebody seeing it and giving the middle finger, you know, doing whatever. There are some people that are going to look at it and just kind of shrug it off and be, well, you know, that's somebody on Bourbon Street doing what people on Bourbon Street do. <laughs> yes. You know, I just hope she got the beads. Let me say that. But there are some that are going to look at it and be overly offended, and I can't believe that ESPN would allow this. When, yeah, in reality, it was completely out of their control. But I understand where they feel like, for the sake of what's best for business, they did that, and I I applaud them for doing it, even though, like you said, Henry, they didn't have to, but I feel like if they didn't, there would have been calls, well, why isn't the ESPN apologizing for it? Un- unless this was something that they could have got ahead on. So now, camera shots of cities and exteriors are typically done prior to the game, according to this report, but there's no way to know well, – that that we we don't know this yet. We don't know if that was prior to the game mm-hmm. and somebody had the opportunity to look at it before or, or if that was just kind of a thing to coming out of a commercial break, like how far in advance. So I, I don't know because they don't cite that here in this report. But at the end of the day, do I think that ESPN purposely tried to show a woman flashing us? No. I don't no, know. I, I mean, if ESPN there, – there's no way that ESPN would allow – a, v, uh, a video B-roll of showing a lady's B-roll to the people. You sure? And not, well, I mean. What if it was Taylor Swift? If it was Taylor, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> nah, see, yeah, Taylor Swift, hey, that's for Travis Swifties, Kelsey. Swifties unite. Hey, sorry, it's, it's her. She's the problem. That's her. Uh, 
if Taylor Swift wants to do it, good for her. I'm not interested in it. I know that's probably weird for people to think. But at the end of the day, yeah, B-roll is typically shot ahead of time. But those are more for the video packages. For bumpers, yeah, I, I don't know how far in advance. I mean, certainly if somebody if somebody was in charge of looking at this mm-hmm. and screening it, then there this is a different conversation. Yeah. But – I, I mean, but we I, don't have the context of of how far exactly. in advance because they don't say that in the story. I, exactly. I mean, this could be something that maybe may, maybe it was something maybe, that was that was out there and, they, and somebody should have seen it and didn't see it and it just got on there. Yeah, and I, you know, maybe it was it was something live where they had somebody out there. I, I mean, who who knows? You know, because these companies, these and this is where television production has just. I feel like maybe we don't appreciate it as much as we should. There are times where you can look at something and you can't tell the difference between live and recorded. And that's where some of these entities are just so in their bag with some of their skill sets. So, yeah, if it was supposed to be, you know, if it should have gone through some sort of of gatekeeping system and it didn't, then conversation's completely different. Hey, real quick, I I know that we – we don't do a scoreboard anymore, but I do want to mention this because the Wild are getting uh, <laughs> they're getting hammered right now. Well, I shouldn't say hammered. They're down a couple of goals. Molly whopped? Uh, they, no, they're just down a couple of goals early. But f- it was still the first period. They're down 2 nothing. And who are we facing tonight? Is it Calgary? Calgary, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. The, the, the fighting Bret Hart's. So the Wild have been uh, much better with John Hines. Mm-hmm. And not John Hines on the radio. I'm going to say he, he's – I'm sure this comment has probably been made before, but he's a good radio host and he's a good hockey coach. Hey, um, I, which I find funny. I, I I find that so funny because if I'm it's him, so Minnesota, I'm having so much fun with this. No, if I'm him, I'm playing it up. Oh, absolutely, I'm having fun with it. Absolutely. I mean, hey, if, I might start making dinner reservations. Yeah, this is John Hines. Uh, hey, if you couldn't do it, you go either way. Yeah, I, I mean, if rock star radio host, rock, radio le- yeah. legend, yeah, or Minnesota Wild head coach. Hey, I, how do I, you know? You don't. You know that should be a fun little game. Heinz the host. Heinz the coach. It's like which Heinz? I mean, it's kind of. It could be a fun little game, right? Can I get some Heinz ketchup. Get some Heinz ketchup, please. This for John Heinz. This for John Heinz. Oh my goodness, that'd be funny. All right, six five one four six one nine two two six. We'll take a break. Coming up next, we've got headlines on the Lake Show. All right, it's the first headlines of 2024. At least for me, I'm not sure. Did did uh, did Stevie T do headlines yesterday? Uh, I don't know if he did not or sure. not. Not yeah, sure. I don't know. I not was. Sure. I know. I know you weren't here. Uh, I know it was J Lo. Uh, but let's kick it off. All right, let's, for 2024, let's do it. Let's do it, and uh, we're going to kick it off by talking about some no nos going on in the Western Metro. An Eden Prairie woman has been arrested on allegations she stole more than $1 million from an Edina business furnishings company where she worked and spent some of the money on high-end clothing and resort hotels in Las Vegas and Miami. Oh, boy. The thefts spanned more than seven years and weren't detected until November, shortly before she was fired from Seco America, according to a search warrant affidavit filed by police seeking court permission to search her financial records. The 51-year-old woman was booked into the Hennepin County Jail on November 14th, released a day later. 
Edina Police Spokeswoman Lauren Siebenhaller said Tuesday that the case has been handed over to the U.S. Attorney's Office for consideration of charges. In all, the affidavit revealed the company detected more than 300 charges on a card, exceeding $1 million and stretching from May 2016 until October 2023. Man. Under police questioning, the woman said she, quote, she has a problem with overspending, and this was a way for her to hide it from her husband. What? What? That's quite the explanation. it, it, It is. But listen to this. According to the court filing, police took a report of suspected fraud in early November that was first detected when purchases were made on the woman's credit card but not entered into the expense reporting system. Now, SECO's top executives met with police about losses tied to the woman who had been with the company since 2012. Now, the investigation revealed that the woman's credit card was used last year to buy $63,000 in clothing from Alice and Olivia, which is a high-end clothier. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 63000 at one store? Yes. <laughs> yep. 63000 which is a high-end uh, clothing establishment in Las Vegas. Other unauthorized purchases on the credit card include $4,500 at the Cadillac Hotel and Beach Club in Miami and another $7,000 at the Cosmopolitan Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. Closer to home, the woman's credit card paid for an $8,100 bill at the Westin Hotel hey! in Edina. Now, the Westin Hotel in Edina, I know about the Westin. Yeah. I've been in the Westin. Well, yeah. Have you I, been there? No, I, 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 I can't spend $81 at a hotel, let alone $8,100. Stop it. You can't spend $81 at a hotel? You paid more for room. Stop it. Before, in your life. No, I, I have. And by the way, it's not because necessarily the hotel. Um, I have stayed there once. Mm-hmm. Um, this was years ago when I was in Kansas City. I, I came home. And and stay there, but they have. Um, are you a fan of seafood? Lo- shellfish, yeah, love okay. shellfish. McCormick and Schmicks. You, you, oh, love McCormick and Schmicks. It's it's in the diner. It's in it's in the uh, the Western. In the Western, yeah. It, okay. it's, it's on the yes yeah, on the the street level. Okay, that's so. Right when you go in and check in, if you look to the right, there's the check in, and then to the left that's is the restaurant. McCormick. Oh, nice, nice. Well, maybe she spent eighty one hundred dollars on uh, sixty three thousand at one store yeah. in Las Vegas. Yeah. I don't wow. think I've spent $63,000 on clothing in my life. I mean, it's, hey, sooner or later you're going to get caught, right? That's a story that we've been hearing more and more about that Harvard University President Claudine Gay resigned amid plagiarism accusations and criticism over testimony at a congressional hearing where she was unable to say unequivocally that calls on campus for the genocide of Jews would violate the school's conduct policy. Now, Gay is the second Ivy League president to resign in the past month following congressional testimony. Gay, who was Harvard's first black president, announced her departure just months into her tenure in a letter to the Harvard community. Following the congressional hearing, Gay's academic career came under intense scrutiny by conservative activists who unearthed several instances of alleged plagiarism in her 1997 doctoral dissertation. Harvard's governing body initially rallied behind Gay, saying a review of her scholarly work turned a, quote, a few instances of inadequate citation but no evidence of research misconduct. The Harvard Corporation said the resignation came with great sadness and thanked Gay for her deep and unwavering commitment to Harvard and to the pursuit of academic excellence. Now, Gay and presidents of MIT and the University of Pennsylvania came under fire last month for their lawyerly answers to a line of questioning from New York Representative Elise Stefanik, who asked whether calling for the genocide of Jews would violate the college's code of conduct. 
Gay said it depended on the context, adding that, quote, when speech crosses as in conduct, that violates our policies. The answer faced swift backlash from both parties, as well as the White House. It was also parodied in the opening skit of Saturday Night Live. Gay later apologized, telling the Crimson Student newspaper she got caught up in a heated exchange at the House committee hearing, failed to properly denounce threats of violence against Jewish students. Quote, what I should have said and had the presence of mind to do in that moment was return to my guiding truth, which is that calls for violence against our Jewish community, threats to our Jewish students, have no place at Harvard and will never go unchallenged. I mean, and that's what should have been said from the jump by all of the presidents, her included. Like, she should have just said that. I, I don't understand why it's it's not difficult when you know that that there are things in the world that are wrong and people are being harmed yeah. and people are under attack to acknowledge it and say that this is wrong. I don't want to – I mean, so, look, do I think that she should have stayed in her job? Probably not. Like – this is the resignation, I think, is the right thing for her to do to step down because clearly they lost, lost confidence in her. And the, the other mm-hmm. part to this is the, the questioning of the plagiarism. That's because it's two things here. Two that different we're talking things, about. yeah. But the bottom line is in that specific um, instance where they're in, um, in front of uh, lawmakers, I mean, just denounce it and say that this is absolutely 100% wrong and we, there's no way that this is ever acceptable on the campus of Harvard or any university in this country. Wrong is wrong. Yes. It's okay to denounce wrong being wrong. I just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chris Harrison says his time working on the Bachelor franchise was both a blessing and a curse. During a recent episode of the Trading Secrets podcast, which is hosted by the Bachelorette alum Jason Tardick, Harrison touched on what it was like to be involved with the franchise. Quote, I still look at this as a blessing in my life. It was hard at first, obviously. It wasn't immediate where I felt great about everything because what I went through was tumultuous. He said, I don't wish it on anybody. Now, in February 2021, it was announced that the host and producer would be stepping away from his hosting duties after he publicly defended Rachel Kirkconnell, a Bachelor contestant who was criticized after photographs of her at an antebellum plantation-themed fraternity formal in 2018 surfaced during her time on the show. Harrison said during the podcast this week that the whole experience was something that I pray to God my worst enemy never goes through. But with that said, I knew I had to remove myself from what became a very toxic situation, he added. And I did that, and it was a very difficult situation. Of course, he was then replaced by former NFL quarterback and season five bachelor, Jesse Palmer. The the best thing that a person can do, because we're all sinners, right? We all make mistakes. We're all flawed. The best thing that a person can do is when something comes up and things are not right and things are not good, that you make the best decision mm-hmm. that you should. And if by chance you make a poor choice, deal with it head on right away. That's the people yeah. that try to run from bad decisions. It's never going to work out. It makes it worse. It makes it worse. Yeah. You can. Right, you're wrong. Absolutely. And, and we are a very forgiving society. I mean, people get second chances. I believe that people are deserving of second chances. And I, I'm glad that Chris Harrison was was able to, to kind of, you know, he feels regret a little bit. But yes. at the same time, realizes that this was good for him. And finally, I'm a big trademark guy. Mickey Mouse is no longer 
solely belonging to the Walt Disney Company. As of January 1st, an early version of the entertainment company's mascot featured in the short film Steamboat Willie entered the public domain for the first time. He's been synonymous with Disney for nearly a century, but the U.S. copyright law last updated by Congress in 1998 allows copyright to be held for 95 years, and the sole claim has been uh, it has been abandoned, and uh, that is important because in about half hour word on the street, we have a connection to that. Mm. So a uh, little little bit of a what they call in the business a, a tease. tease. A yep. tease, and I promise to pay it off. All right, coming up next, we know that inflation isn't just an American phenomenon. There are certain things that we're all having to get up because of inflation. What are you giving up in the world of eating? I'll tell you what I am next year on The Lake Show. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.